in the back of my mind is an unrealized sound Every feeling I get from the street says it soon could be found When I hear the cold lies of the pusher, I know it exists It's confirmed in the eyes of the kids emphasized with their fists But the high has to rise from below That volcanoes explode through the snow The mosquito sting brings a dream But the poison's deranged mm, The music must change For we're chewing a bone We soared like the sparrowhawk fly Then we dropped like a stone Like the tide in the waves Growing slowly Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. We've got a panel joining us today. We've got Howard and Sue Proctor, Missy Clifton, our host Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. This is a 1978 song by The Who. You probably don't listen to them very often because I like playing stuff nobody listens to anymore. I'm going to read from the 11th chapter of uh, Jeremiah, verses 4 through 6 which I commanded to your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice, and do them according to all which I command you. So shall you be my people, and I will be your God, that I may perform the oath which I have sworn to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as it is this day. Then answered I and said, So be it, Lord. Then the Lord said unto me, Proclaim all these words, in the cities of Judah, and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant, and do them. Howard, you're still employed at uh, the uh, Bluegrass Station, uh, and yet you're also doing farming. Talk a little bit about how you guys came to be farmers from what you had done before. Okay, well, and I actually have to give credit to my son-in-law who dropped me a book uh, by Joel Salatin and I, when he was visiting, and I read that, and I was so impressed by the information in there that it encouraged me to buy the rest of his library. And after that, uh, uh, we decided to uh, go out and find a farm, which we found in Garrett County. It's right. uh, 38 acres. It has a nice uh, log cabin house on it, a barn, and a chicken coop seven stall horse barn and uh and the uh these were some of the requirements that we had as our farm choice we needed some land and we needed some some buildings had you guys ever been gardeners or farmers or raised animals in the past no not at all we are uh, suburban kids from outside of cleveland ohio and uh, we moved to kentucky and we love kentucky and uh, we just decided when we were living in Lexington, we wanted to move away from the crowds, even though Lexington's not that big compared to Cleveland. But um, we were ready to move where there was some land, and we wanted a homestead for our kids and grandkids to come to. And in our retirement, we decided we wanted to try farming. So let me ask you, when you, farming's a big subject, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what particular 
aspects of farming have you guys settled on and started doing to the exclusion of other things in farming? Well, we didn't know exactly what to do. And so (laughs) I started off by buying a bunch of used uh, farm equipment, tractor and tetter and baler and all of that. And uh, we only had grass, so we... It was all high, so we cut it down and rolled it up for hay. And uh, and uh, some guy called and bought all my hay one year, and then the first year. And then the uh, another guy called wanting to buy the hay. We had it advertised on Craigslist. And he said, I need some for my cows. And I said, oh. He says, yeah, I got all these cows, and I got these problems. And he explained it, and I, and I asked him, well, you got some cows for sale? He says, well, yes, I do. And the next thing I know, there I goes had, your hay. <laughs> no, the next thing, next thing he comes over and looks, he says, you got grass on your ground over here. And uh, so we went over and looked at some cows and uh, I said, well, you picked a big mistake here. Pick the best 10 cows you have <laughs> and their calves and bring them over and drop them off. And he, so how we, long ago was this? It. This is in 2017. It was okay. spring of 2017. We moved out in a beef in or dairy cow. These now these beef. are cow calf operation for beef. Okay. And uh, so the, the next thing you know, you're in the beef business. That's yeah, cool. kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so we we sell our our beef out at the CPH 45 sale. Uh, okay. Most of the years, we didn't actually know what to do with it. So what that's is that? What, we do. what is CPH 45? Well, it's a um, a sale that's put on by the uh, Department of Agriculture, okay. and their focus is to collate or consolidate small farmer herds into larger groups, yeah. so that the big beef people from They'll out come west in and buy buy a bunch of them at the same time, and they have known health characteristics. They've all been uh, vaccinated and and properly handled medically. And, sure, uh, and then they sell them that time, and they take them off and use them as feeder calves and uh, out in out west and feed them up into the beef supply so let me ask you another question eggs have been big time in the news uh lately you guys are also in the egg business is that true yep that's true i think uh we call my wife the chicken lady at church so talk a little bit about egg production because i'm particularly fascinated in it that's been one area that we've had horrendous inflation in the price of eggs uh you know they've like quadrupled in some places and talk about what goes into good egg production a little bit about the chickens you use the stuff you got to deal with in in being an egg producer okay well the property that we bought was vacant for three years. So we were able to go in and immediately become organic. We don't have the official organic title, but since the land was not used for anything and there wasn't chemicals put on it, we could right. be organic. And that was a great start. So we didn't so have to immediately you can get a slightly higher price for the eggs. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, usually, yeah. Okay. And... Um, we didn't have any chickens immediately, but Howard did some research and found some chickens that he thought would be good for us. And we purchased some of those, and they were sent in a box. They came as chicks, didn't they? Yeah, we bought yeah. them as chicks. Yeah, as chicks. And they're well, French chicks, right? They're, yeah, they're French chicks. Yeah, they're French. <laughs> they're French chicks, yeah. yeah. Tell me about 
a French chicken, what's the difference between a French chicken and an American chicken? Go ahead, Howard. Okay. <laughs> they do they do they so, so, pluck so, in French? <laughs> yeah. They in uh, the sweet, they uh, have certain coloration on them and these particular French chickens are red, white and blue. And they're okay. uh, they're known over in France as breast chickens. Okay. And they are known also there as the queen of chickens and the chicken of kings because they are the breed that the king only breed the king would allow on his plate over there in France. Really? Yes. And uh, they're also known, and uh, I can't believe it took me this long to learn this, but uh, they're one of the... Uh, I haven't uh, learned the, it the, yet. So. The only breed that has marbled meat. Uh, okay. And... Uh, and so we have that breed on our on our farm. Do you use them for both? Do you? There are some of them layers, and other ones are for for uh, uh, chicken meat production. Broilers. Yeah. So so these yeah. are known as Bro- what they what is Bro- known Bro- as a dual purpose heritage breed. Okay. And and that means they can be used for meat and for eggs. They okay. have a fairly good egg laying rate, but not the best that you can find. Yeah. These will layer somewhere between 185 and 200 a year. Okay. And the uh, best ones will lay up to 300 a year. I see. So so uh, they're not the optimal egg laying, and they're probably not the optical, optimal meat chicken because here in America we have something what I call the industrial chicken, and the industrial chicken is a Cornish cross. And uh, if you get a good one, it's going to be raised on pasture, but if you get one that's got the – USDA organic title to it. It may be raised in a big barn with thousands of other chickens. Right. And uh, we did do a test with Cornish Cross. In fact, we just finished it. And we bought, uh, I think, six of them from Tractor Supply just to see what they would do. And uh, they grow so fast and they put on meat so fast that their cardiovascular system may not keep up with the with the uh, growth of the meat on the, on the bird. Okay. And so I, I say, have you ever had a chicken tenders from one of the chicken tender places around and it's real stringy? Yeah. It may be due to that purpose. It could be also due to cooking, but, but it could be due to that purposes. Well, let me ask you this question. So you have called out of the numerous varieties of chickens out there and done your research which is something we try to do here when we're picking stocks and things like that. Very important for chickens to pick. Yeah. Right, chicken. Well, you're producing something that is not just a run-of-the-mill thing. It's it's the added research to find something that's got a history to it, that's got certain characteristics that has the ability to do more than one thing. That's right. One of the objectives we have, since we're such a small farm, we don't have the opportunity to do any volumes of scale, really, on that farm. And so we want to do uh, a good quality product. And, and with the chicken, our, our goal, and with almost all our products, is to have the best-tasting chicken uh, that, you can, that you can have. Do you sell... Are you able to uh, sell your chicken? Do you have to have it USDA inspected, that kind of thing? Well, processing chickens and beef, there's a a couple of strategies around that. You're allowed to sell a beef, for example, uh, on the hoof to somebody, and they call that a quarter share or half share of a cow. And uh, you can get that processed, and and, uh, the uh, people who bought the cow own the cow, so they can get it processed however they want. Sure. And as a kind of an intermediary, I help with that process, get that process accomplished. 
Uh, same thing with chickens. You can buy a chicken and buy a chicken share uh-huh. uh, if you want. Uh, right. However, there are some processors around that actually do give you a USDA label on them, and you can sell them retail. Okay. So when we have people who, and that costs a little bit more money, but when sure. we have people who want to buy off the farm, we can we can sell them a chicken, and they can get it at the less costly processing. Or or if we have some and we we think we're going to end up selling them in a store, then we can get them USDA processed and make them available. Sure. The so. I, I wanted to, how many chickens do you all have, actually? We have about. Well, do you want the wait, big wait, ones wait, or the wait, little wait, ones? Wait, 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 wait. We have seven, we have about 70 in our chicken yard. But as of the last two days, we have 104 brand new baby chicks. Wow. That we incubated. And, um. Yeah, so we have we have quite a few, and we have two more trays of incubated eggs coming out next week. Yeah, there'll be yeah, probably next, close next to 150 week. more. So we had an 86% hatch rate this time around, and uh, which is pretty good. And uh, we don't know what the next two trays will produce. But. What about, uh, you know, you always hear about predators for chickens. What's, is that a reality on on your farm? It can be, yeah. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah. We, we have predators on our farm. We see them. We have a compost pile, and we see the compost pile get dug into frequently when there's something good for a predator to, to dig what, out of there. What are the predators? That uh, are- anything from raccoons, skunks, possums, hawks coyotes, for foxes. The chickens. Hawks, okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. hawks, hawks from above. And we keep our flock safe. We've heard a lot of people talk to us and say, well, we lost our entire flock to a fox. And uh, we put up something called poultry netting. And poultry netting is electrified netting. It's roughly two inches by four inches square uh, openings in the netting. And we have five or six pieces of it, each about 100 feet long. And we make a great big loop out there. And the chickens come out in the morning and they go run around in there, and then the ones that are a little more assertive, they, they fly over the net, and they go around and forage, and then it gets dark, they go back in. And, and they know to jump back over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We don't, some people it's will. It's amazing. Some people will <laughs> clip the wings of their birds to keep them from flying, and we don't do, do that. that. Um, most, I have tried it once, and it works. <laughs> Does the chicken ever hit the fence and get juiced by accident? Well, uh, actually, no. Unless unless a do. chicken gets their snout up there on it or their neck or someplace where the wire can actually get into the skin of the chicken, they don't usually get shocked because they're insulated by the feathers. For the feathers. Right. Yeah. Is However. It, is, it, is it a battery that, that runs that, or is it AC? Are you plugging Well, in, in this particular arrangement, it's kind of a semi-permanent uh, uh, netting. So we have it uh, tied into the AC, but we yeah. also have solar-powered energizers uh, throughout the farm for other animals to keep them in. I see. So, I see. And uh, um, what is it going to say? Oh, and and just in case, back on chicken breeds, uh, we also have the third best tasting French chicken. Oh, what's that one? That's called a Barbizo, and uh, I, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, the Barbizo chickens are black, white, and blue. Blue legs, black feathers, and red combs. And, of course, uh, we can't keep them apart, so now we have the second best tasting chicken. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't think you actually mentioned what is the name of the farm. The name of the farm is, uh, well, our farm name is Lancaster Keep, but the business is Lancaster Pasture Products. Okay. And that's that's what we use for our products that we market to individuals. So chickens... Eggs, chicken, beef, 
What else do you do? You goats. Do? We have goats. Okay. We have three. Are they the boar goats? Or? Oh, no. Ours are much prettier. Ours are, <laughs> ours are to keeping the international theme of our farm, we have the French chickens and we have... Swiss goats. Swiss goats. Really? And Toggenbergs. They're, they're called Toggenbergs, and they are long-haired. And uh, right now we only have three. We have two males and a female. Um, but we've had more. They're, they are a little more challenging to raise, I think, than some of the other animals on our farm. But we have had some... Uh, Why is that? Well, they're, I think they're susceptible to worms, okay. and they need to be checked. You have to check them a lot. Um can you they, give them warmer, like yeah. you would a dog or something? We, we give them ivermectin. Yeah. Ivermectin, <laughs> ivermectin, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Great for all kinds of stuff. It works. It does. And um, and we've had a lot of baby goats, and some have survived and some haven't. I mean, I think out of all our animals, they have the highest mortality rate. Yeah, the, the, the thing about the goats is they're not, and I think I learned why we were having this problem on our farm. Uh, goats are... Goats are um, a lot more sensitive to what they eat than people imagine. They think they can go out and eat everything. A tin can. They are not <laughs> that uh, robust of eaters necessarily. Really? However, when we got our goats, we got a, a, a few of them, and I just learned last year that the reason the goats we got were uh, healthy was because they were barn-raised. Okay. And we put ours on pasture. Right. So they haven't had the the background life of living on pasture and the worm loads that you can get off of a pasture. Yeah. So that will, when we get some more replacement dolings, that'll change how our protocol is. We're going to, yeah. we're going to, and we've already started that. We've got some new equipment, uh, some sheds and things like that to where we can make sure they have good dry feed even right. out in pasture. So, okay. uh, so that would be, uh, one of the things we're going to end up doing is, is expanding the goat herd here. And there's a reason if for If you thought goats. about doing goat milk and even cheese and yes. things like that. Yeah, the, the, the original yeah. reason for having the goats is to milk them. And what we're going to do with the milk is use them to help finish feed the chickens. See, I think this is all fascinating because I'm... That's you know, pretty cool. You're yeah. going from the city dwellers to total family life. And I know you mentioned uh, at the beginning of this interview about Joel Salatin. I, I bet a lot of people don't know that author and really his push, which is all about sustainable agriculture, correct? I'm, yes. Are you? Have you read a lot of it, Tom? I, I Yeah, I've, I've watched his videos. I haven't gone into the books as much. He's kind of a strange type guy a little bit. I mean, some people... He's off-putting to certain people. I think it's because he's so declarative about certain things. But he's obviously been a huge force in, in the sustainable, sustainable small-scale agriculture, which is what we had in the early part of this country. Yeah, one of, one of the things he promotes is how do you run your sustainable, sustainable farms such that you actually make money and can afford to have it? Yeah. A lot of farmers, and we're kind of in that state right now, really don't have enough money coming income from the farm itself to actually have the farm as their only source of You're income. producing a product. Here's the thing. You're producing a product that people want. Mm-hmm. And they're willing. It's now getting in just shopping around. Look, it's getting to the point where people will pay more for the kind of stuff you're producing than they used to. That's because right. they know the difference. Oh, yeah. you can They've t- learned. Yeah. I mean, you know, yes, be, people have. have gotten trained over the last 25 years. 
And that's the difference. Yes, and you can tell by cracking open an organic egg from one of the main box stores around and comparing it with one of our eggs, or you can do 10 of them if you want, and uh, you'll see the difference in the pan. It's, uh, there are recipes that cannot be made with a store-bought egg. They have Your to have yolk a is going to be a little more orange. Right. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the yolk is deep orange, yeah. and the whites are stiffer by yeah. quite a bit. And wow. when you crack open a, a what well, I call an industrial egg, uh, they're going to be watery yolks Even and the organic pale yellows. Mm-hmm. Even the organic ones. Because the government owns the term organic. And a lot of sustainable pasture farmers don't even like to use that word because it doesn't have the real meanings to it that actually they are providing. It's a lot better to have pasture raised and organic, but because you got marketing things and stuff like that, having the organic label. I on can't it imagine helpful. marketing would ever have anything to do with it. Never. never. <laughs> so, well, this is fascinating. So we're going to, I'm going to, in the next half hour, let's talk a little bit more about food in this country and kind of how things are and where they probably should go because um, most people don't even think about where their food comes from. They really don't even give it much thought. And that is something that, you know, you're putting this in your, you're putting. You're listening to the Tom Dupree show with Howard and Sue Proctor, Missy Clifton and Tom Dupree. Wasn't finished. (laughs) We need to go to a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more on the old-fashioned kind of farming. Stay tuned. So you going to give me 19 seconds of dead air here? It's a joke. The music must change. It gets higher and higher. Smoldering like thieves in the sun. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. Do you have a financial plan? Not some book that a brokerage firm printed out for you several years ago that sits on the shelf, but a real, living, organic, flexible financial plan. Something that can be modified when life intervenes, but nonetheless keeps you on track. At Dupree Financial Group, we've used our years of advising our clients in their investment portfolios to advise them in their overall financial lives. The variety of financial products and approaches can be confusing and intimidating. Allow us to help you navigate them. Call us at 859-233-0400 and allow us to make recommendations to you regarding your financial planning as well as your retirement investment portfolio. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday morning from 7 to 10 at News Radio 630 WLAP and listen to our podcast at dupreefinancial.com.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us, Howard and Sue Proctor, Missy Clifton, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So these days, if you're doing some sort of farming, as opposed to, say, 200 years ago, people farmed simply to survive, whether they liked it or not. Everybody was something of a farmer. Today, it's a choice, especially in your case. And so things that inform choices are typically ideas and um, ideas about things. And, uh, and one uh, big idea I think that you guys have is um, the idea of, in essence, uh, removing uh, toxic uh, substances from uh, food and uh, making things that are actually healthy for people or producing things that are healthy for people because you're not doing farming because you have to you're doing farming because you want to it's a big difference in and what informs so talk a little bit about what informs the reason you wanted to do farming well aside from the uh, idea that it gets you out of the desk job which is what an engineering uh, position is uh and we're not uh how do I say it? Young anymore. So, so that's part all, of the motivation is... I hate to say it. That's relative. So. Right. That, that <laughs> part, part of the motivation is to be active in our, in our waning years. And, uh, I'm with you on that. And so that gets you out of the seat. It gets you out on the ground. It gets you out right. doing stuff, lifting bags of feed and moving cows and riding around on a tractor and all kinds of fun stuff that I wouldn't do as an engineer. And uh, yeah. as far as the food goes, though, um, we know what our cows eat, and we know what our chickens eat, mm-hmm. and we know that we haven't given them anything that doesn't grow out of the ground properly to begin with. And I think that establishes whether or not you're, you're getting stuff that is what I call natural versus what may have some sort of an industrial characteristic to it. Sure. So, if you've seen a chicken house, you'll know that they're about 100 acres long or something like that, 100 yards long and yeah. 50 feet wide, and they have a big uh, conveyor belt running through the middle of them, and they pour grain in one end, and it pours out uh, in the feeds, uh, feeders and the troughs in the other end. And having those is important to society because they do produce the volume that, that people need to eat. Uh, however, you, I think if... If everybody grew chickens, you wouldn't need to buy them at the store. And no. everybody can grow chickens. Even, That's right. Even in the backyard of the people that live in Lexington, I believe the if there's an HOA restrictions, you can have up to 12 hens. No roosters, but 12 hens. And you can get fresh eggs right out of your backyard. Right. And uh, the, other, the other part of that is that from a national perspective, centralizing all your resources and productive outputs to large industrial complexes make them susceptible to damage. And maybe you've heard recently of hundreds of fires taking place in major food processing areas around the country. Right. And uh, uh, if people had their own sources of food, well, they wouldn't have to necessarily be worried so much about that. That's right. So, so that's one of it. And, and, and so we know that if, Kroger shuts down or Walmart's not available. And even if we can't get to the Amish people or the processors that, that have our process our cows, we can do it on the farm. 
Sure. And we can get our own meat, and we can. I've never butchered a cow, but uh, if I have to, I can. Right. And uh, I have butchered chickens, and we're set up to do that. And little plug here: if anybody wants to learn how to clean a chicken, we are offering training courses. Just okay. give us a call. Oh, gosh, <laughs> don't sign me up. How, how, do you guys have a website for your farm? Not yet. We're working on it. That's one of the things that's a desk job, <laughs> so it doesn't fall in the high priority of our day. Plus, we sit at the computer most of the day for other reasons. So, so yeah, I should hope have not, one by I hope next you're week. you're not watching, staring at your account all day long. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do have their eggs, um, Tom, if you've not, at, uh, at Critchfield's. Um, I know you can oh, Your purchase. eggs are at Critchfield's. Yes, yes. their mm-hmm. eggs are at Critchfield's. Mm-hmm. What's went, it called? What are your eggs called? They're Lancaster Pasture Products. Lancaster, Lancaster Pasture mid, Products. Mid, they're mid-shelf mid to the left of the meat counter. I found okay. them. Let me ask them. you this. Um, these French chickens that you have, um, I'm always into the colors of the eggs. Are they? Why are some eggs brown and even kind of bluish looking as opposed to white? Okay. Well, so some <laughs> eggs are blue because they're produced by Americana chickens. Okay. And that's a breed that will produce blue eggs. Uh, there's other ones called Easter Eggers, and there's ones that uh, 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 lay almost dark brown or almost reddish eggs, and some lay olive eggs and all of that. Our particular breed, their standard egg is uh, whitish to a a kind of a tannish cream colored. Okay. uh, Maybe some people call it beige. And uh, the average weight for our eggs is 65 grams. Oh, no. No, No. uh, not snow white. And actually, we have... I don't know which hen it is. We have one hen that lays a blue-green egg every now and then. Really? And it's never, it's not the biggest egg. But um, but it's blue. But it's blue, and it's yeah. the only one. And That's uh, only the shell that's blue. That's right. only the shell that's blue. Yeah, only the shell. <laughs> that's right, Tom. <laughs> okay, just, just making sure. Okay. So, uh. so there is an Indonesian bird called, a, I think, a ceremony that, that is black. And its feathers are black, its head are black, its legs are black, and its meat is black. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Ooh, I don't want any of those. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're highly clean. unusual, but people like them for that reason. Let me ask you about the grain. Uh, you, you buy organic uh, grain. What, what's, what's kind of the composition? Let's, let's talk about what's actually in, sort of the intel inside thing, you know. What's in the chicken? What's going into the chicken? Tell me about the grain composition or the, the feed composition. Well, if you look at the, any bag of feed, the number one uh, specification on the bag that you'd look at is protein. Right. And a typical uh, chicken feed will have 16% protein. Most feeds will have 16% protein. When the chickens are young and they're growing and getting started out, you can run it up to about 20. You can find chicken supply that has 20. Um, we get ours from a, a company called Coffee, which is Kentucky Organic Farm and Feed out in Guthrie, quite a long ways away. And the cost of a bag is, I won't say double, but at least 50 to 75% more costly than a tractor supply type of a feed that you can give your chicken. But it's not organic. The best you can buy around here that I found is GMO, non-GMO. It's close. Um, but the contents of the feed are usually grain, seed. There's some corn in there. Uh, um, if you read the spec, they make sure they have the right combinations of minerals and things like that that you're supposed to have. 
In addition to that, we supplement our chickens with uh, oyster shells for right. calcium, and uh, we also, and I think the feed, some of the feed has grit in it, so the chickens get grit from the feed, which if they're out pecking around on the ground, they probably don't need in their feed because they get it off the ground, plus sure. we give an uh, alternate source of... That goes uh, into their gizzard. And yeah, it allows, them to, yeah. allows them to crunch up the... Grind uh, up the grain. grain. Yeah. What about like vaccinations and chemicals and things? Well, uh, I think the uh, the biggest disease for, aside from what we've heard about lately, which has been avian flu, the traditional one is Merrick's disease. And they, the birds kind of just get sick and die, and you really can't tell. And uh, you can't uh, really uh, uh, see or, 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 or uh, do anything about it once it's in there. The best can happen is your chickens get used to it and... They survive it. Yeah. And uh, is it a virus? Yeah. Uh, I don't know a whole, a whole lot of, about the Merrick's disease, but you can get, uh, when you buy eggs from some of the hatcheries, they will inject a vaccine through the eggshell uh-huh. and you can get a vaccinated egg. And if we want to go that route, which we have not because we do everything natural, we, we could also buy vaccines and vaccinate our eggs or chicks that we raise or incubate. Right. So far, we haven't had really had to do that. I haven't seen any real issues of disease throughout the flock or anything. Avian flu is a big one, and and what happens when somebody detects they have avian flu is they come in and they decimate all your chickens. Wow! And I think what have we had? Something like fifty million chickens killed this last year. Right. Well, and because I I was kind of curious um, on a kind of on a larger level, but there's this all there's all this pushback on a House Bill eleven sixty nine, which is in Missouri. And all it does is require labeling of products that can alter your genetics and require companies to share the information on what they have injected the livestock with. Uh, yes. It sounds and, like and you're I, talking about mRNA vaccine could be that. for livestock but, and plants. But it, or, or anything else. I mean, I'm, but I'm just, you know, the, yeah. again, informed consent that you should know what you're eating because food is medicine. True. Yeah, true. I, I agree with that. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think they should have any trouble at all. But there is pushback, and that's what I'm surprised. There's there's huge pushback to not label. But again, if, if you, I think we were talking off air, if you're going to look at um, when the, you know, when it's, when it's allowed to say it's organic, quote unquote, and that, that definition is so loose and so, is it ill-regulated, Tom? Is that the right word? It's 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 so. It's like everything else the government does, or a lot of things in society. When a word gets overused, it loses its meaning. In in this particular case, the word organic is owned by the U.S. government. Okay. And and it has its definition, and it's set up such that the large producers can market Use their it. products as organic, yeah. but they may not be anywhere close to being farm raised or pasture raised. Right. That it, it could be, it could be of the, of the, the, mo- the minimal, minimal, minimal right. definition. Thank you. You, one you of knew the, exactly what I was saying. One of the things that has come through to me for years is people don't have a relationship with their food. It's um, like, I give an example. I go fishing at, either Dale Hollow or the Cumberland River, and I catch the fish. I know where we caught them. I saw them get cleaned. I brought them home. I put them on the grill. That is more of a relationship with that food than if I went and bought it 
in a seafood market. The same thing with cattle. I don't think the average person knows how many places a cow travels to sometimes in today's crazy world of agriculture before it ends up, it could go from Kentucky to Colorado to Texas back to Kentucky. And why, you know, it's because of the crazy quilt of the middlemen and those sorts of things, none of which seems practical or cost-effective. So, so you talk about a couple of things and, and Joel Salatin has, has picked up on this. First off, when you buy your beef from a local farmer, you know that beef. And if there's something wrong with that beef, you know exactly where to go. When you get a hamburger at McDonald's, that beef goes into some big processing area, probably out in Nebraska, Oklahoma, wherever. And all these cows from all these different locations show up there, and they all get mixed into your ground beef, and that's what you have. So you don't know necessarily which cow or what cows went into your beef. Okay, because they're all mixed together. It's a high production yeah. thing. You got to have a lot of cows. Got to have a lot of beef. Yeah. Uh, but when you buy local and when you buy from your farm, you do know the animal. You know the farmer where it was raised at. And uh, if there is a problem, anything wrong with it, you know exactly where to go. And that, that hopefully that person will know whether what happened and 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 if there's anything to be done about it in the future. So. And the other thing is, if you do gardening, which I like to do. You're kind of at war with the elements all the time and the critters. And you've just given me a good idea about that electric fence. But um, agriculture is kind of a, a, a pilgrimage. In other words, you're going to know more this year than you did last year. You know, knew more last year than you knew three years prior. <laughs> Every year in agriculture, you build on your knowledge base, and it's highly personal. It's highly related to what you're raising. You get informed in a certain area, and one of the things that I've learned just about gardening is that you never stop learning. My mother was like that. She liked gardening. She liked growing things, and and the other thing is you, you can't quit doing it. You have to keep your hand in it, and you try stuff. You experiment. You say, well, I wonder if this will work over here. No, but you at least found out. That's you know, right. most stuff doesn't work in agriculture. That's the other thing. There's 15 day, ways to do it wrong and one way to do it right, and sometimes you got to do it all those wrong ways to figure out the right way. Is is what I'm saying true or is is it resonating with you a little bit? Well, maybe more generally speaking, it's it's when you go to a farm, there's always a farm project, either yeah. one you either one you make up because you want to try it, or one that has to be done because something broke or it's, it's not working right. Yeah, and uh, and you know, at our age, and me being an, an an industrial engineer, one of my focuses is to try to make the farm as easy as possible. Sure, for the humans to operate. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I try to lean towards automation if I can. And, uh, and, and what do you call it? Uh, leverage because we both have weight limits. So hydraulics are a big deal. Tractors come in handy and, uh, and material movement is a big, a big issue. You have manure, you have hay, you have 
you know, anything that you. So you're thinking around, a little so. bit like making it as much into a factory as you can without making it a factory. Exactly. I I want it to be natural, but I don't necessarily want to have to shortcuts break myself in order you to can. do that. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't blame you. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, horses are are at one time were good farm animals to have for pulling plows around and 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 doing uh, uh, work on the farm for growing things. But now a tractor is far more efficient yeah. than any any horse will be. And plus, sure. some of the farming techniques have changed. You Instead of plowing things over, which is one of the things that Salatin uh, has pointed out, uh, you now do, uh, what do they call it? Uh, permaculture. Tr- permaculture and seed drills. Seed drills. And you drill right in without plowing. So uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of ways that you can get things done, done naturally without having to tear up your topsoil. Right. And every time you tear up the topsoil, you're going to get some erosion. You're going to get some washing. Uh, even on flat ground, there there can still be some loss of soil. Um, now, um, future projects. We got about four minutes. What what's what's on the horizon? Well, we just picked up honeybees, so we're now. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. Looking at doing some honeybees. Uh, we we bought some bees last fall, and uh, one of the hives made it, and the other one did not make it over this past winter. Yeah. And well, uh, that uh, Christmas time thing uh, yeah. killed everything. Uh, mostly has to do with colony size. If you have a big big colony, they'll last through the winter. If you have a smaller colony, they may or may not last through the winter. Okay. Um, so we're doing that, uh, with the new chickens, uh, it's kind of a motivating thing because I have something called the chicken trailer and the chicken trailer is a semi-automated, uh, uh, trailer that, uh, uh, is the objective is, is to handle 200 birds out on the pasture for a week with no human intervention, except for picking up eggs. That's a Salatin idea, isn't it? He, he takes them and dumps them down and they, Wait a minute! It's like being on a golf course, picking up the balls. Is that what? Well, we have we have uh, nesting boxes with rollout trays that yeah. are stick outside the trailer. Uh, we'll put the fence around the the birds. Yeah, that that was a Salatin idea, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, he he has a uh, he has he has uh, uh, what he calls the uh, chicken tractor. Yeah, and he uses that to raise broilers, and it's basically a two foot high wooden cage that he you go drags work an area of the field for a while, and then yes. you move you move. A little ways. Uh, yeah, down. and now, but the purpose of this one is to follow the cows around. I got you. And uh, when it follows the cows around, four days after the cows eat in an area, they leave a present for the soil, and the chickens love that present, and they will spread it around for you, so you don't need to necessarily need a manure spreader. Plus, they'll eat the maggots and things and reduce your fly count. There you go. So that's a that's a a way of of one animal helping the other animals. So. A synergistic relationship. Sustainable kind of thing. Just, okay. All right. I want to say that I think this country needs more of what you're doing. And it's got to have it. We need to move in that direction. It's been going on for years. I think COVID set a lot of people's thinking back. Mm-hmm. They stopped thinking about their immune systems. They started relying on pharmaceuticals and vaccines that's not going to make you a healthy organism what's going to make you a healthy organism is eating the kind of things that will uh, produce a healthy immune system which is the it's the absolute heart of 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 our organism in in so many ways you guys are doing it thank you thank you for being here today 
Well, thanks for having us. Yep, we're happy to do it, and uh, uh, hopefully it works. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like it's working. Yeah. I, I hear a lot of engineering going on, too. I think you're taking your day job onto the farm. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. No, it's it isn't. Common sense. It's, it's the know. perfect combination of taking your career into yeah, the things your next you've learned. career. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will give a shout out to the UK guys. Uh, okay, extension agents uh, are awesome. Yeah, one of the guys there, his name is uh, Dr. Steve Higgins. He's also an industrial engineer. Yeah, and, uh, well, that's fascinating. I'm taking some of my ideas from him as well. So, well, and it goes. We always say, know what you own in your portfolio. You need to know what you're putting in your body when you eat too. You've exactly. been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Howard and Sue Proctor, Missy Clifton, and Tom Dupree. We'll be back in the next hour with our financial hour. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes.